Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today we have Jens Nilsson on as a guest on our show today. And he's immigrated from Denmark in 1996. And after a successful career in IT, he followed his passion for real estate and coaching and is now a full-time real estate investor and certified high-performance coach. And he's currently a direct owner and general partner in over 1,700 apartment units around the country, valued at over $150 million. Within his coaching career, he's coached over 60 clients to higher levels of success in their business and personal lives through strategy, accountability, and personal growth. So Jens, thank you so much for being here on the show today. Welcome. And how are you doing? I'm doing well, Eileen. Thank you so much. Uh, And thanks for inviting me. I'm super excited about our conversation today. Likewise, I'm really excited to deep dive into your journey and how you got started with real estate. So let's start off with your background and how you got started with real estate. Absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned, I immigrated 26 years ago to the U.S. I came from Denmark. That's where I grew up. I uh, a little detour to London, England, was there for a couple of years and then came here and you know, did the typical thing, right? I actually went to college here, got my undergrad, my master's degree in computer science and had a long IT career. And at some point I realized that, you know, there's probably more to life than just working for somebody else. And I didn't want to, you know, my mid-40s, I was like, man, do I want to do this for another 20, 25 years for somebody else? And I was like, no, that's not right. So I looked around to find something else, but everything looked like a job, right? Just like, oh, I could become a consultant. I can try to start my own business, but everything looked like another job. And then I just stumbled on real estate through, you know, started listening to some books on it. Like, oh, here's a way to actually decouple your time from your income. And that was so exciting and motivating to me. And, you know, I was like, I didn't really know anything about it. So I just reached out to some friends I had that was in the business and they just kind of back of the napkin. This is how you do it. It's like, oh, I can figure that out. And connected with a broker in Albuquerque, New Mexico, bought a couple of smaller fourplexes just with my own capital. This was back in the day we can get them for $30,000, $40,000 a door. So I was like, yeah, let me try this out. And that's how I got started. That's been six years ago. Started with like a couple of fourplexes and 11 unit, 19 units in the first six months. And I really looked back. When you were talking just now, you had mentioned the concept of decoupling your time and your income. Can you elaborate on what that really means for our listeners here? Because a lot of times people are thinking, well, I need to trade my time so that I can go work for somebody else, then I can make my money. How did that look like for you as you were doing your research and you're trying to figure out a way to decouple it? And what did that mean for you? Yeah, I love that. And I think that's such an important concept to think about, right? As an employee, you know, we put in an hour of work and we get paid for an hour of work, whatever that rate is. And in order to meaningfully impact your income, you either have to get a new job, a promotion, a bonus, or you go into like, you know, sales or something else where there's some sort of different structure. But for most people, it's like, you know, you get the two or 3% raise every year and you're stuck there. On the real estate, especially in, depending on how you structure it, right? If, if you're just passive, 
but you have an initial capital investment and then you put in management to manage it. You put in all of the team that's going to take care of it. And if you know if you manage that well, suddenly you don't have to trade your time for money anymore, right? So I still have 60-some units that I own personally, and I literally spend an hour or two every month on that. And it generates awesome income and I refinance, I have no capital in it. So it's like, that's great, right? So that's where I see that decoupling is so important. So as you were looking at purchasing the different properties in New Mexico and starting up your real estate journey, you mentioned that you had purchased all of that on your own to get started. How did that snowball into over time creating and generating enough passive income for yourself and for your lifestyle? I realized my initial plan was, okay, let me do this for 10 or 15 years so I can slowly save and reinvest and so forth. And it kind of looked like a linear progression. And then after a couple of years, like, no, no, I want to, I want to go quicker. This is not going to be, this is not going to go quickly enough. So I decided that, well, first of all, I ran out of my own capital, which typically happens. So I got a couple of friends in on a joint venture. So that was my first kind of experience with bringing people in. And they were excited because they didn't know how to get these deals. I helped them put the deal together and we all invested together. So that was my first taste of bringing investors in. And then I said, okay, let me start looking at what syndications can do. Let me start bringing more people in and help them invest. And at the same time, generate more income for myself. I will say, if you are want to be completely passive and don't run it as a business, I think in order to reach enough passive income, you have to have enough capital to invest. And that may take some time to get there. So mine was really a combination of the passive income through my own capital and then the active side of it of putting deals together and syndicating deals, right? What, which is what we're doing now. So I can't, you know, it's not like I just sit back on, on the beats all day and, and get income. Right now, that's, there is some active component in it for me, but there doesn't have to be. It really depends on your time frame and uh, available capital. And because it, it sounds like you were using the time to be able to work on the active stuff, plus your W-2 job as an IT professional to really amplify your investing and your equity capabilities to invest it passively as well and to generate enough passive income so that you can make this journey a lot faster than if you had just invested it passively throughout. And everybody has a different goal on how to be able to do that. But for you personally, that's you wanted to expedite that journey. That's correct. Yes. Basically, no. I would invest when I had money. I would invest passively. But I realized that I needed to go active too. Because I love putting the deals together and bringing people in. And I would serve a lot of people that way. So, and, and that was what allowed me to leave my job a year and a half ago was, hey, I had passive income for my own stuff. And then I had started actively creating these deals, which led to another stream of income. So that's where that transition happened for me, mixing the two, if you will. How did that transition happen for you? And when you took a look at your position financially, at what point did you decide that, yes, I'm able to make this transition now and I can fully rely on the active income of real estate and also the passive income in real estate and no longer need to spend my time on the W-2 jobs? Like, how did you come about to that decision? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's kind of crazy because it all started in the beginning of 2020 when COVID actually kind of hit and I was freaking out because we didn't know what was going to happen, right? At the same time, I had made some promises to my wife around 
moving to a different city and like just some things and also some promises to myself that I wanted to leave my job. But then all the COVID stuff happened. I was like, oh my God, I'm freaking out here. But at that time, you know, my coach, I did work with my coach to actually get some clarity around what was important to me and really say, okay, I have been talking about becoming full-time real estate for three or four years now. This is probably the best time to make the actual shift because we were working from home. I was able to actually go part-time in my IT job. I think that was huge for me. I went from you know, five days a week to three days a week. I actually was able to move to satisfy my wife's desire of moving. So kind of the family side of things got taken care of and I was able to reduce my hours. And suddenly I was like, oh, I'm going to have all this extra time. And I realized that once I had time to put into real estate, it went from that kind of linear thing to the exponential because I was able to connect with more people, help to put more deals together, raise more money. And I was like, wow, if I can do this, this much in two days out of the week, imagine what I can do in five days a week, right? So I went to part-time, was able to, you know, fully exit in the early 2021. And since then, it's just been accelerating and exponentially. And also when deals start to go full cycle, you start seeing, you know, money coming in from the back end too, that helps to supplement your income. One of the things you had mentioned was you got a coach and he helped you determine what was important to you. So a lot of times, a lot of people think, I just want to generate more income and just more money. But was that really the case? Is is the whole fact that you're working actively on both your IT job and also putting active work into the syndications, investing passively, was it all just to generate more income or was there a deeper meaning behind that or reason why? I love that question, right? So I I believe if somebody shared with me, there's like three levels of why we have. The first one is to get out of pain, quote unquote, what your pain is. Is that a job you don't like, a location you don't want to live in or something? I didn't hate my job, but I was also, yeah, I was kind of, it wasn't that exciting anymore. So that was my first level of pain. But as soon as that goes away, you don't have a motivator anymore, right? The second level is really the financial security stuff you want, time you want, travel you want to do, right? And that was definitely a strong motivator for me. I mean, I had a very comfortable living, but I wanted to rely on myself versus a job, right? So that was really the second one. And I think initially it was really driven by time, being able to travel back to Europe to visit my family, time to, you know, it's Friday today, we're recording. I mean, it's 11 o'clock my time. I've been out having fun all morning. I haven't actually worked today yet, right? So just being able to have that flexibility was really so huge for me. And then finally, it's like the third one is giving back, helping other people reach success, right? So the second and the third drivers, those are the biggest ones. The second driver is satisfied. So now it's more towards the third one. How can I give back? How can I help more people? And going through that process with my coach really helped me make the commitment and have the courage to actually make those changes. So that was just so huge for me, working with that individual. Yeah, I know. I love that. Because oftentimes, you know, when we look at money and we're just looking to generate more money, but we don't have a clear understanding of what the why is. So we're working, 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 and we generate and we reach a monetary goal. Let's say it's $10,000 a month, a year, passive income or something like that. You've hit this threshold. And then it's like, well, nothing really, <laughs> nothing really has changed in my life. I, I don't, what's the next thing, right? It's just making maybe like 15,000, 20,000, you know, and you're just increasing it. But where's the end all? Like, what are you doing with that capital? What is the real meaning behind why you're generating all this extra additional income for yourself and for your family? Like why? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
And I get it, right? The next, you know, once you have your basic needs met, the next 10,000, 100, or million dollars doesn't make you any more happy. There's no happiness in making more money. And unfortunately, we're so often conditioned to look at that and we think that, oh, if I just have this or reach this goal, happiness is going to be there. And a lot of my clients, I talk to them and I say, well, do you feel happiness is here right now or is happiness around the corner when you reach your next goal, right? And if you're always chasing that thing around the corner to bring us happiness, we will never get there. I realize happiness, you can create your own happiness right now, right here through the blessings that you have and the life that you created for yourself. Yeah, there's going to be things that you can change along the way and things you don't like. That's okay, but don't believe that an external circumstance is going to give you that that happiness, right? And really now, you know, as I'm moving towards that third level, what really drives me right now is just working with the right people, fun people to work with and take on challenging projects that we can turn around and everything else, right? So that's where the excitement comes for me at this point in time. Absolutely. Because now you've taken that additional passive income and utilized it as a tool for yourself so that you're able to go off and do the things that you want to do without having the stress of thinking about where this income is coming from. Now you have that luxury to be able to focus on what's the most important to you. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I do. And I play, you know, if I count my blessings every day and feel that, that joy of having the freedom, having created this, right. It's had, had you asked me five years ago or six, or seven years ago, I was just like, no, I'm, I'm going to work in IT for the rest of my life. Right? So for you, one thing that you had mentioned also throughout this was, you know, teams that you have been able to leverage your teams. You put together your joint venture, you created teams in that aspect, and that has helped you into generating other things, getting into syndications, putting those deals together, working on other teams. So how has the teams aspect really helped to really leverage your growth in this space to be able to do what you're doing now versus if you didn't have a team at all? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, initially I didn't really understand the idea of what a team meant. Yeah, I get it. You need to have a property manager and attorney and a lender and stuff. But those are just people that you add as you need them. They are not part of your daily team. Right. And I thought that, hey, I'm smart enough. I can figure this stuff out. I'll just go and do it by myself. And again, right, as I mentioned earlier, well, you run out of capital. And it's not that fun because a lot of this stuff is just sitting by yourself working on it. So I realized a couple of reasons why I realized I needed a team. One is I needed somebody to hold me accountable and really push me to think bigger and challenge me. And I think that, you know, I recommend that people go to somebody that's like a few steps ahead of you and get some inspiration from how they got there. If you have one fourplex, don't try to connect with a person that has 10,000 units. But, you know, maybe connect with somebody who has, you know, 50 units so you can kind of see the next steps there. So that's the challenge piece. But the team part is really just connecting with people that think a little bit different like than you, that have different skill sets. So they can really challenge you and help you and, and help you grow. So that's what I always look at when I partner with people is like, who, how do they think? Do they think differently like than me? Because they're going to see my blind spot and vice versa. So that's... That's what I feel is really important right now. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. 
If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. How do you start to build up a strong team and building up that relationship with them so that it's not just at the surface level, but you really get deep down into understanding where each member of the team understands the other person's strengths and weaknesses so that you're able to leverage together and combined become a formidable team. Yeah. And it takes time, right? I mean, in today's world, we spend a lot of time meeting on Zoom, but I think there's no substitute for actually meeting in person. So my partner right now that we've done probably, I don't know, 15, 20 deals together, we met three and a half years ago at a conference. And we actually, I intentionally spent time with him there to get to know him a little better. I was like, oh, this does some, it, it jives here. And then we did our first deal. I made sure to travel to that location and hang out with him. And we've since spent a lot of time getting to know each other, right? I think that's so important. Yeah, you can build team remotely and do that. I think you will then figure out, you'll truly, you won't really fully understand the other person's qualities until you do a deal, especially until you do a deal that has some challenges. Then that's when kind of the two colors come out, right? So I always recommend spend time, you know, get to know that person really well. And I try to keep smaller teams and then maybe add a person here and there, but I try to keep them a core team, you know, but these are all people I've known, got to know over time. And there's been some people I've done deals. It's like, yeah, it went okay, but I, we're not fully aligned. Let's just move on and do our own things. When you're working with other people in teams, especially a lot of times you're relying on the other person to be accountable for what their role, their job is on the team so that everybody is successful in it. How do you keep the team accountable to each other so that nobody drops the ball on one thing or everybody has at least a similar type of vision goal and is on the same page? Because once you have somebody who has a little bit of a different vision, the team kind of is not as strong as when everybody's on the same page. Yeah, I love that question. And I think often we don't think that far when we're like, oh my God, let's do the deal and we'll figure it all out along the way, right? So I'm, you know, being an IT guy and systems guy, I spent a lot of time reading Traction, the EOS book that a lot of people are familiar with. And now we create accountability charts. Unless it's the same team, if it's a new team or there's some changes, we create an accountability chart. Who's the lead asset manager? Who's in responsible raising money? Who's responsible for the PM connections? or who's responsible for rehab and so forth. So we actually create an accountability chart and we talk about and we agree upon those roles and responsibilities. And then through our asset management meetings, you know, we track, you know, so-and-so is going to do this, what's the due date, and then we just, we, we meet, okay, where are these steps? It's really like you would run any project. And I think there's a benefit having been in the corporate world because we know how projects are run and how to keep people accountable. Maybe we don't like that, but in reality, there's a reason why some of these things exist, right? I work with people that have maybe never been in that space. And it's a little bit of a shock at times. It's like, oh my God, we are having these meetings, we have all this structure and stuff, but that's just reality, I think. And that's, you know, I am really an implementer, uh, an integrator by nature. So I, I'm really the guy that's going to 
try to get everybody to do what they say to do and hold them accountable to it. Is there a magic number that you found works for you and your teams in terms of meeting on a weekly basis? Like how many times a week is the most, like creates the most efficiencies for you guys to keep a pulse on each other, connect, reconvene, go through your goals and what's needed for that week? Is it like once a week, twice, or maybe like once or twice a month? What does that number kind of look like? Yeah, if we're in the middle of doing a deal, we may meet a couple of times a week as we're working through it. Deals that we have closed that we are you know, like asset managing, it's usually once a week that we meet and create that. Sometimes we may have a, you know, that may be the whole team, but then if somebody who is responsible for the rehab management, they may meet more regularly or have a different meeting. So we're not all wasting each other's time and stuff where we can't have the right impact. So, and I talked to my partner probably almost every single day, just kind of catching up on various things, right? But weekly meeting is typically our cadence right now. For you, if someone were to look at you and they're like, I want to be in yen shoes, maybe five years down the line, but I don't know how to get there. Maybe I don't have any real estate underneath my belt yet. So for those people who want to get started, what would be like a first maybe three steps for them to start taking to be able to get on the right path so that five years down the road, they can look back and like, yes, I started here and now I've been able to achieve so much in five years. Yeah, I mean, I think from a mindset standpoint, is really, as we talked about earlier, really understanding why you're trying to do this. What is the reason behind it? Because it's easy to say, I want to invest in real estate without really thinking about it. So always, always figure that out first. And if there's true, a strong, truly a very strong why behind it, yeah, let's move forward, right? And then it's definitely, I think, education, get education. And you can learn a lot, books, YouTube and all that thing, you learn a lot there. But then I think also getting somebody to hold you accountable, if that's a mentor, a coach, join a program or something. I think that really accelerated me once I started going down that path, right? And then I think if that's the second one, I think the third one is find somebody that can become part of your team early on. So it's not just because if we just sit there and tell ourselves, oh, I want to invest in real estate. And there's no accountability. There's nobody that can keep you excited, motivated, moving forward. You must think, ah, this is kind of hard. Let me do something completely different, right? And so those are the three things I would say. It's like understand your why, get some education, mentoring, coaching, and then start building a team. That's how I would approach it. No, perfect. Thank you for sharing that. One of the things I also want to ask you to, sometimes when you're working in a team, sometimes the team themselves, the team members, they evolve and everybody changes over time. And maybe after a little while, everybody has a different goal. Everybody's in a different place in life now. At what point do you evaluate the team members and the group and decide that we're not going as fast as we could be or the visions and the goals don't align anymore? And now I should go off and maybe find a new team member. Yeah, no, that's really good. And I think that comes back to on having those discussions around vision and goals regularly, right? And we're struggling a little bit with that. Some of our team members, they have some goals that I'm like, those are awesome. Doesn't really connect with me. So they're going to go out and probably do their own thing for certain deals, perfectly fine. But we may still come together on these deals that we've been doing. So I think there's some flexibility there too. And I love that about real estate. I mean, you don't always have to work with the same people. You can come together as needed. 
So I think that's okay. I think it's totally fine. The way I do it, if I get an opportunity, I will always tell my partner, I said, hey, I have the opportunity to do this deal. I think it's awesome. Do you want to be a part of it? Because the opposite has happened to me, right? But if he says, no, that's fine. I may still go and do it if I can see that it's not going to draw away my too much of my attention from other commitments I have. So I think this is where I think it's different than being having a job. Yeah, if you're employed by somebody, you can't really go and get a side job. Not, you know, you, <laughs> maybe outside your working hours. This team partnership, if you can still meet your obligations, I think you can be free to go and work with other people on certain things if that makes sense for you. No, it does. Thank you. So what's next for you, Jens? What are you most excited about now you've transitioned full-time into multifamily and real estate? What is next for you? Yeah, I love that. I mean, basically, the learning story is, is the learning that's just been so steep for me. And that, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And now it's really about optimizing systems. It's really about getting so much better at running the stuff we have because that will free us up to do even more. So right now it's really improving processes and all that stuff that maybe sound boring, but it's kind of exciting to me because the less hands-on I have to do, the better. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, you know, as I mentioned, my partner, him and I have actually, we've come together. We don't really have joint branding, marketing and everything else. So we're actually going through a process of creating a joint company that's going to brand us together and so forth. And I'm excited about that because we have some alignment our goals and everything. So that's going to be super fun to, to do that type of work. Since you come from an IT background and you talked a lot about the systems in place, what is one system that is, I guess, has made you the most efficient in your career so far? If we take, talk about maybe technology, I think... Just using Slack and Asana, Slack for communicating, Asana for tracking tasks, I think. But in terms of more like systems that are not necessarily technology, I think having extremely structured meetings. Now we have a dashboard we review. We review our tasks. We talk about bigger issues and stuff. So we don't just kind of randomly go into the ether and talk about stuff. So really having systems for running your meetings. And then now we're developing our fine-tuning our rehab, how we're managing rehab, how we're managing capital raising, how we're managing underwriting. So that was a lot, but that's kind of how I've seen how we have evolved. And how has real estate investing impacted your life so far, Jens? Uh, it's been amazing. I mean, as I mentioned, you know, today is Friday. I haven't really been working yet. I probably need to work for a little bit. <laughs> I was able to travel to Europe for a month earlier this year, which I haven't done for 25 years. Still checked in with work, but was able to do that. I mean, I live a lifestyle and financial abundance that I wouldn't have imagined. So, I mean, it's just so many ways. And I get to connect with so many cool people. I think that's just the most exciting part of it. And what is the one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Build a team day one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think, the most important thing. So following up on that though, where's the best place that you found to be helpful in finding the right team members for you? Yeah, I think it's go to conferences, join masterminds, go to meetups. I'm running my own meetup here in Santa Fe where I live. We actually even run our own small mastermind conference a couple of times a year. So go to where like-minded people are. And when you go to those things, make sure you 
find a few people and build really strong, at least get more in depth with them. Don't meet a hundred people, meet five that you can connect even closer with. That's how I've done it. And I still love that, that idea. And if there's one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate, what would that be? Productivity. Plan your day. I use my high-performance planner every day. Basically, what are the important things you need to do today? Because it's so easy to be busy without being productive. Awesome. And Jens, for our listeners out there who are interested in learning about more about you, what you're doing, where's the best place that they can go to find out more and reach out? Yeah, a little old school here. So email is probably the best way. They can go to they can email me Jens J E N S at opendoors with an S Capital.com, opendoorscapital.com. And if anybody wants to have a coaching conversation or anything like that, they can schedule a call by going to opendoorscapital.com slash call. And they can get on my calendar that way. And I encourage anybody to do that. Awesome. Well, Jens, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey with us today. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your lovely day as well. Thanks, Eileen. It was a lot of fun. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.